Age to Practice, applying educational reading in the classroom. Join in the conversation using hashtag PagePracticePodcast. From Page to Practice is a podcast focusing on the application of educational reading in the classroom. Each episode features one book or article, my reflections and the thoughts of my guests on its use and impact in the classroom. Some episodes may also feature an introduction from the author. Hi and welcome to Series 4, Episode 3 of From Page to Practice. Today's episode is on Teach Like a Queen by Tracy Lees and Christopher Barker. We'll hear from both authors, followed by Vivian Porritt, who wrote the foreword, and then an amazing six readers of the book who will share their reflections. So let's get started first with Tracy. Hi, my name is Tracy Lees, and I'm an assistant head teacher. I work, and I'm proud to work, I should say, in Stoke on Trent in the Midlands. Um, and I'm the co author, together with my brother, of teach like a queen lessons in leadership from great contemporary women we wrote the book proposal in lockdown when we had some reflective space shall we say we'd just seen the musical six right before we went into lockdown and if you don't know the musical um it's about the wives of henry the eighth and about their stories and their narratives and it was so interesting and thought-provoking and postmodern that we we wondered whether we could create something similar with sort of mixture of high and low culture um, to create something that would help teachers. Around this time I'd become aware of the work of Women Ed, finally had some time to finish that book that had been um, gnawing away at me that I hadn't quite finished it and Teach Like a Queen is the um, outcome really of a kind of perfect storm of a, a pandemic, a musical uh, and a gra- grassroots movement. So um, we really enjoyed writing the book. Um, I have to say for me, one of my favourite parts about writing it were the case studies. So in the book, we take the Nolan principles and we align each Nolan principle with a queen, queen in uh, quotation marks, because not actual queens, but uh, high-performing, successful, iconic women who really serve as archetypes in the book. And in order to make these kind of abstract, uh, removed um, figures tangible for teachers every chapter and each queen was aligned with a case study from a classroom practitioner and for me the case studies were um, incredibly insightful because the case studies um, were women that I knew admired I had worked with um, and were sort of in my network and It was staggering, really, when I met with these women that actually almost every single one of them had had some sort of uh, crisis of confidence. Almost every single one of them had some degree of imposter syndrome and actually their ascent into leadership was nowhere near as linear or as straightforward or as effortless as perhaps I 
had assumed, which for my own practice was quite liberating because some of the things that I had been wrestling with um, personally, um, I wrote the book not long after having my youngest child um, and I was really struggling with leadership, time management, um, childcare. Um, can I leave my meeting when my child finishes school this one time because my husband's in a similar meeting and I was negotiating all of those things. And foolishly, when I look back, I had assumed that that was quite specific to me. And clearly one of the things that comes out of the book is actually these challenges are massively universal. And actually for me, because these were women that I'd so admired um, and, it, you know, I would never have occurred, it would never have occurred to me that they were having the sort of same internal battles or um, the same kind of moral dilemmas that, that I have. So it was really liberating and empowering for me. Um, so one of the things that I have done since writing the book, which I would say is a direct consequence, really, of the research around Teach Like a Queen, was I am far more comfortable putting boundaries into place. I am far more comfortable um, having conversations with, um, you know, my head teacher about, um, actually, it's my child's parents' evening on the same day that we have SLT. I am going to have to leave at 4.45. Whereas before, I would perhaps would have been a little bit more permissive. Um, I would have perhaps been um, more bashful, more timid. So for me and my well-being, I would say they are the big things that I've taken from the book and I'm trying to implement into practice. And not only am I trying to implement them in my practice, but I'm also trying to advocate for others to do the same. Um, something else that I've taken on since writing the book, which is fits so nicely with the work that I've done around Teach Like a Queen is I've taken on student leadership and I've trained those leaders in the same way that um, I would have liked to have been trained and I've particularly um, taken a focus and, and a lens of leaders with protected characteristics because um, much of that representation and much of that diversity from the book really came about through the involvement with Women Ed and then later with diverse educators um, and all of these very rich communities that are doing really important work around um, equality, around representation and diversity. Um, and that's been a massive impact on my practice as well. You're listening to From Page to Practice. Join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag PagePracticePodcast. Hi, this is Chris Barker. I am a head of maths from Cheshire. Uh, I've been head of maths for about eight years now and together with my sister I am one of the co-authors of Teach Like a Queen. Um, so we were inspired when we saw Six the Musical um, as part of the inspiration for the book. So when we saw Six the Musical um, in the programme it talked about how each of the uh, wives of Henry VIII were um, modelled or inspired or styled by a famous pop star um, each of them had their own pop star that they had been styled on. Uh, and we kind of loved that idea. We extrapolated that idea from just pop stars um, to any famous inspirational women. Um, and that kind of was the, the seed that the book uh, came from, really. Um, so I've always been inspired by uh, inspirational women, famous women, uh, quite unashamedly. Um, 
And so it was, you know, lovely to write about these famous women and try and draw some inspiration from them uh, to share with the readers. Um, things that I am hoping uh, that the readers take from the book, uh, the firstly uh, would be that more men care about um, the imbalance in uh, women represented in leadership. Um, we do talk in the book about how women are massively underrepresented uh, in educational leadership, um, and it's definitely not just the responsibility of women to try and fix that imbalance. So as a man writing the book, um, I'm hoping that that inspires more men to care about that. It is not just um, women that can do things about that imbalance. Uh, another thing I'm hoping that readers get from the book is uh, like a feeling of confidence. Um, so teaching uh, definitely throws up lots of situations where you're out of your comfort zone. Um, and I'm hoping that the book gives you something that you can refer to uh, to feel confident, to, to picture one of the queens that we write about or your own uh, famous women that you look up to to try and draw some strength from that and think, well, how would they handle this situation? You know, if they can do what they've done, then then I can do what I need to do in this in this moment. Um, also, the feeling that um, it's okay to try a next step. Um, so I think sometimes... Uh, when promotions or opportunities come up at work, um, a lot of people kind of talk themselves out of those opportunities before they've given themselves a proper shot. Uh, and I'm hoping that one thing people take from the book is the feeling that you might not ever feel ready for the next step, but there's no harm in trying it, seeking some advice from other colleagues, trying to put yourself forward, even if you don't yet feel ready for it, because you may not ever feel ready for it, um, but you may be fantastic in that opportunity or in that uh, promotion. Uh, another thing that I'm hoping that readers get from the book is the feeling that um, teaching does not need to take over your whole life. Um, I'm hoping that, especially the Lady Gaga chapter, um, reminds teachers that they do not need to um, spend every evening or every weekend working. They do need to have some semblance of sanity um, to do the job. It is a very demanding job. Um, and hopefully the book conveys that it's okay to uh, not be a bit of a slave to the profession um, to have your evenings and your weekends off guilt-free because, you know, it's, you can't do the job. It's so demanding. If you're running yourself ragged, um, you're going to really struggle to cope with the demands of the profession. So I do think it's uh, an important message that people take from the book that looking after yourself is also important. Um, lastly from me, um, if you did enjoy the book, there's an Instagram page that you could follow. Um, Tracy runs it. She puts up all sorts of inspirational quotes and images and things that align with the themes of the book um so if you uh, are interested that is at t-l-a-q book um there's also a facebook page that uh, you could follow as well if you are interested and hope you enjoy the podcast you're listening to from page to practice join the conversation on twitter using hashtag page practice podcast hello i'm vivian porritt one of the global strategic leaders of WomenEd. I'm delighted to contribute to this edition in terms of Teach Like a Queen by Tracy Lees and Christopher Barker. I was very pleased to be able to write the foreword to this book. And in that foreword, I ask, who wouldn't want Michelle Obama in their classroom? And that's exactly what the authors want us to challenge, inspirational women who can help women who lead in the classroom and in organisations 
to be able to draw on their own superpowers. To me, the role models that Tracy and Christopher use help us to reflect on our own leadership and our own skills and strengths. The warmth and openness of Michelle Obama, integrity and compassion of Jacinda Ardern, for example. And of course, in all of that, I mean leadership by women. The author's definition of a queen is a woman who rises by elevating others. And to us, that's a core practice for womenhood. We're delighted to see more women writing about why women should and do lead education. This was an aspect of leadership that was sorely needed. And it's fantastic that our books have prompted more on this much needed topic. I think Tracy and Christopher help all women in education to renegotiate the assumptions that are held about us. I single out Jacinda Arden as her openness, compassion and humanity do not stop her leading well. If anything, this book argues, and I totally agree, she leads well because of her humanity. And in my view, I think there's a, humanity is one of the aspects missing from so very many of the schools that our women in women-led community talk to us about. So the implications for our leadership practice are to prioritise authenticity over conformity and to lift women up so they can claim their rightful seat at the leadership table and I look forward to see you at that table very soon. You're listening to From Page to Practice. Join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag pagepracticepodcast. Teach Like a Queen, it's a book that gives you a fresh and innovative perspective on leadership and the empowerment of women, a topic which is very close to my own heart. As a mum of a daughter and an educator, Teach Like a Queen appealed to me instantly. To actually find a book which uses great contemporary women as a framework to support leadership in education is inspiring and is absolutely being 10% braver in every way. CPD books can often be dry and a repetition of what already exists. But this book, it's different. It's special. As the passion and genuine desire to support women at whatever stage they're on was evident throughout. I particularly loved the use of the Nolan Principles as a mechanism to remind us and reinforce the ethics and values of just how important those principles are personally and professionally. It enables you to reconnect with your own values and what's important. For me, integrity is at the core of my own personal values and the chapter on Jacinda Ahern resonated with me on so many levels. I love the final thought. In the, in the chapter, being led by integrity and decency may not seem overly revolutionary, <clears throat> but just like Jacinda herself, the impact of this should not be underestimated. And that final thought has stayed with me since. The case studies were not your normal case studies. They told a powerful story, and in reading every one, you gave a cheer for every person that provided a case study. I took so much from this book. I feel at home reading it. You never felt at any point it was unachievable or unrealistic. 
you felt like you were in a room with like-minded people and that you were not alone on this journey. My takeaway lessons from the book are definitely the advice provided at the end. Um, All of the leadership advice was inspiring and should be part of all schools' leadership values. It made me reflect on my own leadership and how I need to make the step to be 10% braver myself. And the section on throwing your pebble has stayed with me. It is often the small steps, not the giant leaps that bring about the most lasting change. And then it goes on to talk about throwing out your pebble to amplify your impact. Throw out your pebble to bring about change. Throw out your pebble to empower others. That has stayed with me ever since reading this book and that's something that I live by. I'm very passionate about education and very passionate about empowering others, particularly women. And that's something that I live for every day in my place of work. It's about building that talent, recognising that everybody can achieve what they want to achieve. And breaking those glass ceilings is really important. This book was just a joy to read the humour the way that it was written you never felt at any point that you shouldn't be doing what you sh- you're doing um you were never told how to do something and in so many cpd books that's the case and a lot of them have a tendency to make you feel unworthy or not good enough this book didn't it gives you a real insight into what you're capable of what you could do what impact you have in education is vast and that is on professionals but also students and the lessons in here can also be translated to the young women and our future generation and this book just needs to be in every school's CPD library. Things in this book need to be quoted to um, our students and Thank you. Thank you, Tracy and Christopher, for empowering us with your book. Um, I really hope you're going to do a second one. Thank you. Goodbye. You're listening to From Page to Practice. Join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag PagePracticePodcast. Hi, my name is Hannah Sproston and I became an NQT in 2020. I read Teach Like a Queen when it launched in May this year and as a teacher of law and sociology and an avid feminist, anything that endorses female empowerment and leadership is going to draw me in. But the quirkiness and the alternative take on CPD which this book offered had me gripped from the start. My favourite section of the book was the Lady Gaga chapter not just because I feel like she has been an inspirational icon throughout my teenage years, but because of the practical messages and the lessons that can be taken from this section. It discusses the importance of well-being, and I often found myself moaning to colleagues about the time I went to bed after marking essays, or the time I left school after an open evening, when in reality it's often met with equally negative response. Starting the day off with a moan doesn't do anything for staff morale. However, I'm now starting to think a little bit more consciously about the conversations that I have around school 
about actively promoting work-life balance. And I've found that when done so, it's created a much more positive and encouraging culture. The case study in this chapter gave me a lot of food for thought as it discusses how an assistant principal and a further education colleague had essentially created a bespoke curriculum to suit the needs of her disadvantaged learners. Admittedly, I hadn't put as much thought into raising the cultural capital of my people premium sixth form students as much as I had with my key stage four classes. But this chapter made me realise that it's equally, if not more important, to raise it with my further education students as they're going to move off into navigating the world of work or higher education. I'd overheard many conversations that my students were going to choose their local university because it was either more convenient or cost effective for them. But in reality, I knew that it wasn't giving them the best opportunities for their career path. I've now organised and taken my students on many visits to different universities across the country to open their eyes to options which they may have otherwise self-excluded from. Uh, finally, as only an ECT plus two, I didn't think I would be ready to na- take the next step in my career. But this chapter has taught me, as quoted, to get out of my comfort zone frequently, publicly, without an apology, and go for the position as teacher in charge of law, which I started in September 2020. You're listening to From Page to Practice. Join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag PagePracticePodcast. Hi, my name is Hayley. I'm a maths teacher in the northwest of England. I have previously been a pastoral leader at Key Stage 5. I've then been on maternity leave and upon my return, I have relinquished my role as pastoral leader because at my school you are required to be in school every single day to be a pastoral leader. I've taken a temporary um, curriculum role as Key Stage 5 leader in maths And this year, I guess you could say I'm just back to being just a teacher. Um, Obviously, saying I'm just a teacher really downplays what we do. But I have no role. I have no fancy title. Um, This year, it's just a case of doing what I do in the classroom for the students, working alongside my colleagues and also trying to drive the school forward in my own little way, I suppose. Um, I think the one thing that I take from reading the book is that leadership doesn't have to come with a fancy title or a pay award attached to it. It is simply that every one of us within that school setting can lead in some way. It just depends on who you are leading. And even as teachers, we're leading the people in front of us and hoping to drive progress forward trying to help those students um, progress in all sorts of ways really not just academically but emotionally mentally um, and just yeah trying to get the best out of them that we can so when I picked up the book I thought it would be a case of reading through each chapter and picking which queen was most like me or which one I was most like And I think it's fair to say that having gone through all of the the book and read each chapter and read through 
um, all of the descriptions of the queens and their case studies, it isn't really a case of finding out who I identify with most. I've managed to find the there's some qualities of a few of the queens that I, I see now um, in myself that I'm proud of. And then also some qualities in some of the queens that I think I need to strive to be more like. So, for example, who I see myself in currently uh, in the Michelle Obama chapter, I think it's fair to say that I would, I would describe myself as a warm person. And I would hope that students, the students do come to me and, and ask for my help and guidance. And maybe that's because I've had a pastoral role previously. But maybe it's just also the way that I, I am with the students in school. Um, another thing from the Michelle Obama chapter that I resonated with was the fact that I'm not a show pony. And I think my colleagues would say that when I do something small or when I do something big, I don't really do it for anyone else's recognition apart from the person that I'm doing the thing for in the first place. So if I'm acting on behalf of a student or helping a student, I don't need anyone else to know that I'm doing that. I just want them to support that student. If I'm helping a colleague, I don't do it for kind of some verbal credit or praise um I'm just doing it because that's how I approach things I also certainly wouldn't ask someone to do something that I wouldn't do myself uh having been a head of year and having had curriculum TLR roles I certainly wouldn't get someone to do a job that I wouldn't be prepared to do as well I also found that when I was reading through the Meghan Markle chapter that the one thing that really stands out and it's something over the last few years I have had to be a bit more mindful of is taking the positive people along with you for the ride and trying to perhaps not ignore, but set aside the naysayers, those negative people who are not necessarily trying to bring you down, but by them spreading their negative thoughts, it can seep into what you're trying to achieve. So uh, I often will try and hear out the negative people, but I also try not to give it too much of my time and focus on the, the more positive side of things. Then the other one that I think I do I do pretty well, and I don't often sing my own praises, but um, having read in the Jacinda Ardern chapter, one of the things that I regularly do is I, at the end of the day, when I'm having to unfortunately make some perhaps negative phone calls home, I do always try and end the day by making a similar amount of positive phone calls as well. I think just for my own well-being sometimes, I don't really want to leave school at the end of the day with the last thing that I've done is ring several parents to discuss their student, uh, their child. I'd rather end it having made, made three phone calls to three parents who whose day has been made better by me making the phone call. My day's been made better and the student's day has hopefully been made better as well. Um, then starting to think about who do I see in the book who has some qualities that I perhaps need to lean on a little bit? Um, I do think I need to channel my inner RuPaul. I do think sometimes I'm not as honest with the students perhaps as I should be. I think I maybe sugarcoat things a little bit when I perhaps should be a bit more black and white with them. I don't know why I do it with the students like that. I'm quite black and white with them, colleagues or parents but perhaps with the students, um, they maybe need to hear the truth a little bit more from me. The other thing I questioned when I was reading the Kim Kardashian chapter was, what is my niche? You know, what, what is the my USP? Um, trying to think about what do I, what's, my, what's the best thing I do? What's, if someone had to analyse me and say that this was my main quality, what would that be? Uh, and I think I'm at the moment just trying to find what that is. 
uh, share it with colleagues, um, exploit it a little bit perhaps as well. Like I say, I'm not a show pony, but maybe I do need to um, share whatever skill I'm going to find um, with my colleagues. And I think the other one that we're all, well, quite a lot of um, teachers are quite guilty of is not modelling wellness for in front of the students and other staff, I suppose, and my colleagues. I think reading the Lady Gaga chapter, you know, I should really perhaps be thinking to myself, you know, get that early at night, eat better, um, don't have my laptop open at half past nine at night and then be heading to bed straight away. Um, allow myself that time to make an extra cup of tea or have a, you know, have something to eat. Uh, and not be dashing around all day. I think sometimes when it gets to break time, there's so many things that you need to do in that 20 minutes that you don't actually get time to just sit down and perhaps have a conversation with someone about something that's not work-related and perhaps just making a little bit of time in the day just to... I say it's not really relaxes it, but I think just to have some time that isn't just focused on dashing from A to B and trying to fit in, nip into the toilet in the same time as you're trying to go and fill in loads of pastoral um slips and then trying to go and give someone their bag back that they've left in your classroom i think sometimes you just need to make sure that you make your day a little bit easier uh, i think the book has given me quite a few things to think about i need to think about what i'm going to prioritize first because now i've given myself a lot of things i need to look into but i've really really enjoyed it. i think it's a really easy read uh, i managed to read a chapter um over a few few nights just before going to bed, put that laptop away a bit earlier. And uh, I think the author's done a really good job of making it humorous, lighthearted, easy to read, but also thought-provoking. You're listening to From Page to Practice. Join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag PagePracticePodcast. Having been teaching for 12 years, I've read many, many CPD books. And what struck me most about this one was the absolutely universal nature of it. It is such a beautifully written celebration of stereotypically feminine qualities that should be viewed as positive attributes in all aspects of education. I grew up in the 90s and noughties and have therefore been in the process of unlearning a lot of internalised misogyny for a good few years now. But I still hesitated before sending a podcast resource about Andrew Tate to our designated safeguarding lead this summer. Would he think that I was meddling or assume that I thought he couldn't do his job? Malala's chapter reminded me that this form of imposter syndrome is all too common with a lot of female staff members and that we are all entitled to take up space and make a difference. I'm mentoring a trainee teacher at the minute and this is definitely a key message that I'm trying to convey to her too. One child, one teacher, one book and one pen can change the world. Needless to say, I'll be giving her a copy of Teach Like a Queen as a leaving gift when the placement ends. And the designated safeguarding lead loved the resource that I sent so much that it's since been sent out to all staff and all parents. You're listening to From Page to Practice. Join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag PagePracticePodcast. One of the things that I love about Teach Like a Queen is the fact that you can read it at any point in your career. And if you apply the Nolan principles that are at the heart of the book, it will stand you in very good stead in terms of finding whatever success success may look like for you in your career especially when it comes to those leadership roles and leading with these things at the heart of your approach will almost guarantee that you garner respect from your colleagues and the children and the parents 
and people will feel safe in your hands. I think that in terms of leadership, one common mistake that people do when they go into leadership is having respect and authority and power at the forefront of their mind, you know, being self-conscious about how I can get people to respect me or how can I demonstrate my power shouldn't be the thing that you think about the most or the thing that drives you. It should be about what's better for the children and the staff and the school as a whole and just having that person-centred approach. Otherwise, you're going to very easily come across as corporate and clinical and people will easily lose respect for you. Whereas things like integrity and honesty in the book show how you can lead with a a vulnerability and um, still not lose respect from that. Things like owning your mistakes or showing that you have the capacity to self-reflect on things demonstrates that you are human and that is a huge strength and not a flaw when it comes to leadership. And I think people often get that the other way around at the cost of losing respect of colleagues. And that's something this book really understands. One of the other things that is brilliant about the book is the fact that we already know and love all of the people who are used as examples in the chapters. We've all read other books or sat in CPD sessions where faceless researchers are talked about and and we learn about their findings and their studies and what they've concluded and that's useful that has a purpose however it makes it easily forgettable whereas what this book does is it applies it to people you already know so it means that you're going to carry on taking this book with you wherever you go you're not going to forget the lessons that these people can bring to the table for you you're not just going to read a chapter and then forget about the applications. You're going to go away and see Lady Gaga on the television and think, oh, she promotes kindness. This is what I can be applying to my career, my leadership approach. Or watch RuPaul's Drag Race and think, oh, the way they delivered that um, criticism was with warmth and love and integrity. And it just serves as a constant reminder then that these are things that we should all be thinking about on a daily basis in our approach to leadership. And that just adds to the sense of warmth and humour that this book is wrapped in. But the fact that it does also have the backing of the the researchers and the hard evidence means that this this book really does do the best of both worlds. And it's not going to be something that you forget for a very long time. You're listening to From Page to Practice. Join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag PagePracticePodcast. The chapter that really resonated with me was the one on Michelle Obama. Thinking about her role as the first, first ever First Lady of Colour and how she really, really succeeded in that role taking that leadership and as it states in the book almost eclipsing the man that she married she was someone who led by example she led with hope and she wasn't afraid to stand up for the things that she believed in I think this is important she is someone 
who does want to lift up the people around her and especially lift up women around her. Coming from a bad experience in a previous school with a female leader who unfortunately was the complete opposite of that and didn't support, lift up the people around her. To now be in a position where I am surrounded with so many strong female leaders who can lead by example, who can show what it is to be a strong leader within education is something that I really do strive towards on my teaching career. It is about the people you work with. And I think we need that within departments. As we know, the majority of teachers are female. And as we know that kind of like when we look at leadership roles and we look at head teachers, that doesn't always kind of carry over. However, within departments, to have that strength, to have those women who want you to be successful, who will strive for you to do well, who will support you. Like I said, this idea of lifting you up, this is what is important and this is something that I am fortunate enough to experience in my own practice at the minute. For me to sit back and watch and admire the female leaders that I am lucky and privileged enough to work with is something that this book has really shown me what it is possible to happen and what should be happening a lot more. We need the people around us to do that. We need our strong female leaders, but we also need strong people that they can lead, strong females that they can also lead. It's about being warm. It's about being empathetic. It's about listening. And it's about showing the people around you just how invested you actually are in them. That is what is important. When we think about looking out for that Michelle Obama within her school, um, is not afraid of scrutiny or inspection because she has nothing to hide. And this, this is something that I've always, always been able to do. Anytime there's a lesson observation, any kind of inspection, I have always felt more than comfortable in my own skin doing that. Having that happen to me has never, ever been an issue because I do feel like I've got that quality within me. I've got nothing to hide. Comfortable behind the scenes as they are centre stage. And I think, again, within our practice, that's important because the centre stage, for me, that is the classroom. But behind the scenes, that is working with the strong, strong women who empower me to do my job every day. Being warm, putting people at ease on a daily basis. We see so many different people. It is so important to be able to build those meaningful relationships having that credibility and this is something that Michelle Obama completely completely epitomizes for me and is something that I strive to use in my practice 
you're listening to From Page to Practice. Join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag PagePracticePodcast. Thank you to all of today's contributors. Next episode will either be What Every Teacher Needs to Know by Jade Pierce or How Teaching Happens by Paul Kirshner, Carl Hendrick and Jim Hill. It just depends which episode I have the most content for by then. Remember, if you want to support the podcast, your five-star ratings and reviews are always appreciated. And you can help out with the running costs by visiting my Buy Me A Coffee page at buymeacoffee.com forward slash fptppod. I'll see you next time. You've been listening to From Page to Practice. Don't forget to join in the conversation using hashtag pagepracticepodcast. Alternatively, to suggest a book or article or volunteer to contribute to an episode, visit learninglinguist.co.uk forward slash page practice podcast. Thanks go to Kevin McLeod of Incomtech.com for use of the tracks Cheery Monday and Fuzzball Parade, which are licensed under Creative Commons. <laughs>